This is Pastor Scott Hidman from Clovis Hills Community Church, and you are listening to the Clovis Hills Podcast. You are about to hear from one of our teaching pastors here at Clovis Hills. I want to encourage you to download the Clovis Hills app where you can follow along with today's notes, submit a prayer request, or give to the ministry of this church. I hope today's message encourages you and draws you closer to the heart of God. If you were looking in your outline and you saw in the outline, the sermon is called Don't Eat the Shrimp Tales by Pastor Scott Hinman. I am not Pastor Scott Hinman. Uh, we made a trade. You know, we do that sometimes. He'll be like, hey, you wanna preach this one? And I was like, yeah, okay. So um, it's the, the story of the shrimp tales is something he will tell in another sermon, I promise you. My sermon is called Life is Short, Pack Light, okay? But it is his outline. The outline is gonna be the same. So if this sermon sucks, it's his fault. So anyways, um, <laughs> I, uh, we've been doing the, this series on uh, the book of Corinthians. We've been in chapter seven and Corinthians seven is a pretty tough chapter to preach on. Um, really kind of hot topics that in our culture today that people are very sensitive about. Sexuality, marriage, relationships, singleness, divorce, all of those things. So we've been going through those and, um, and, and so far we haven't angered too many of you, which is good. Um, but here, here's the thing, as you go through this whole chapter and you read all of Paul's writings to all the churches, you're gonna find there's an overarching theme that he keeps coming back to. There's several. One is, is huge, is that learn to be content in whatever situation you're in, whether you're single, whether you're married, um, whether you know, you're, you're, you're struggling in this place in life, whatever place in life you are, know this, that if you belong to Jesus, God has you there for a reason. And he might be using that, that place you're in, even if you don't like it, to shape something great in you, to shape something strong in you. So um, I am, over the last five years, I've gotten more and more to outdoorsy stuff. I was a surfer down south, but now I live up here near the mountains. So I've been fishing and, and backpacking and, and um, you know, stuff like that. And I've set a goal that I'm going to hike the John Muir Trail. Now the John Muir Trail is 211 miles. It takes 21 days to do it. I'm not gonna do it in all one shot because I have a job. Um, but we're gonna, I'm gonna break it up and it's just a goal of mine that, that I'm gonna do it. And one of the things that, um, and ladies, you may not understand this one. So just enter into a man's mind for a moment, okay? Um, one of the ways guys like to show love to each other is we mess with each other right? Um, we we kind of, and what you think is mean, the guy's like, oh, he loves me. And, um, you know, like a great example is if you go backpacking, we usually put the new person at the front. Like you lead the way, just follow the trail. And as we walk behind him, we um, slowly over, you know, like a 16 mile hike to Half Dome, we are putting rocks in his backpack the whole time. We're walking up. Occasionally when he's not looking, we're putting big heavy ones in his backpack, right? We did this to a friend. By the time we got to the top, um, we got to the top, we're like, hey, let's repack all our bags, make sure we're carrying it the best way we can so it's as light as possible. So we all start unpacking our bags up there on the rock and he, all of a sudden, he pours out like 30 or 40 rocks. He must have been carrying about 25 extra pounds of rocks in his bag. He's like, no wonder my legs are sore. Uh, and that's what we do. So... Um, that, that, and it's, it's just a, a fun thing, but you don't have to carry. Like the goal of, of the journey is really to have the lightest pack possible, pack lightly. 
And that's, that's a lesson in life, right, that we should pack lightly. Because, the, you know, the journey, it's going to be uphill sometimes, isn't it? Amen? Right? So here, here's the cool part. I'm going to do this John Muir Trail, and you're not going to believe this, but I have actually talked Pastor Scott Hinman into doing it with me. Right? Are we here? I'm ready. I'm packed, man, right here. I'm packed. Ready to go right here, man. Now, you're... Your definition of light in mine is different, but I'm prepared. Where, where's your, your light, I'm prepared. Where's your backpack? My, oh, it's in here. I don't know why I need it, but it's in here. You said bring it, I brought it. So okay. uh, let me just unpack for you what I got here. Things that we're going to need on this trip. Ready? Okay. When it gets hot, you're going to be begging for an umbrella. Right here. Okay. I got this umbrella. You, you realize this is a 211-mile hike in the mountains going that's, through Yosemite, the Sierras, yeah. and Kings Canyon. Yeah, I get that. And that's why we're going to be hot. Follow okay. along, Sean. Here we go. Do you have firewood in there? I have firewood in here. Yes, firewood. We're going to need to why, cook. Dude, you could, I have a hatchet. We can just chop. We're in the forest. We can just cut it down there. Sean, we're supposed to save the planet. We're not supposed to be cutting down trees. <laughs> Hey, okay, okay. we're not going to starve because look what I pack it. Is Cast that, iron right here. Is that a little heavy? Hey, you said 21 days. That's three Taco Tuesdays. We're not missing <laughs> right here. Okay? Right here. I got like Priorities. light freeze-dried food. Like you just boil water and pour it in and, and eat it. Like you might want to. You'll be begging for quesadillas later. Don't worry about <laughs> it. This is my most prized possession right here. Is that right an arrow bed? This is an arrow bed. Okay. Sleeping comfortably, my friend. Bro, pause. There's no electricity in the mountains. You can't blow up an arrow bed. That's why they made generators. <laughs> Got one right here. This is good. Listen, this is my goal right here. This is my goal for you and me. As we are hiking down this trail, it's going to be as if we never left home. My tent is a three-bedroom, two-bath tent. We're going to be living life, my man, right here. I don't want to go hiking, actually, but so I'm just bringing the home with me. Are we good? Dude, awesome. Let's see how that works for you. All right, give I it up for Pastor good. Scott. <laughs> he wants to bring all the comfort he can with him for the journey. We'll see how that works for him, right? So this morning, we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 26 through 31. And I'd love it if you're able to, if you could stand in honor of God's word. My friend Roxanne is going to read from the word of the Lord. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. You know, there, there's something about life. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me, one, um, that how I, I don't know how I got to be 47 years old. Um, like, it happened so quickly, right? And, and those of you that are, that are in, in your 20s right now, 
It, it feels like three years from now feels like forever for you. And I just want you to know, like the older you get, the faster it goes. And I think like, how can I, another 47 years, that's a long time, but it'll go like this. And it's amazing because the scripture talks about it, that life is this, this journey that we're on, but also it says in the scripture, we just read that life goes quick, that it goes fast. The time is short, it said. So uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about that today. So if you have your uh, outline, you can pull it out. Number one in your outline is this, be disciplined. You know, for this journey you're on, um, discipline is, is, is huge. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't like discipline. That's not like a super fun thing. Some of you are very disciplined. Like you're disciplined in your diet and you eat nothing but bird seed and you wake up at 5 a.m. and work out and you have your quiet time at, at 5.05 and you, you, know, you spend six hours in prayer with the Lord and then, you, you know, and then and you, you've got this disciplined routine in your life and that's wonderful and that's about one third of the room and then there's another third of the room that I fall into the kind of disciplined and then there's the other third of the room and I love you people because you guys are a party (laughs) discipline is the d word we don't talk about that but listen discipline isn't a bad word and 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 here's really what, what I mean by this be disciplined it says in the first verse we read, or actually the second verse we read, verse 26. It says in 1 Corinthians 7, 26, it says, because of this present crisis that they were in, Paul says this, he says, I think it's good for a man to remain as he is. That, that sometimes, you know, we're trying so hard to get out of whatever situation we're in that we think getting out of it is gonna be the thing that makes us happy. And sometimes it's a relationship, sometimes it's a job, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. And I wanna remind you of something we talked about in this series, is that the grass is always greener where you water it. The grass is always greener where you water it, and especially in relationships, right? So um, the writer of Hebrews, um, said this, and I, I don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Scholars have no idea. It's an anonymous letter. So we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but man, she was smart. And I want you to look at what it says here, okay? It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. See, there's some things that happen in the life of a believer that help you mature in your faith. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes there's people that come into your life. But, but here, here's the, the biggest thing. God uses circumstances. He uses other people. He uses the church. He uses his word. He uses all of these different things to actually unpack everything that you've got up, uh, up in here and then help you to pack lightly for the journey. Because here's the truth of the matter. As you go through life, we pick up all kinds of things through our hurts, how people have hurt us, the hangups we develop from it, the habits we have, and we carry heavy loads that we think are making us comfortable. But really it's making the journey harder. It's making going the direction with Jesus much harder than it, than it needs to be. And... Um, sometimes you got to take the heavy stuff out and just leave it. No one wants to hike with this. No one wants to go on a journey with this. It's useless. 
I guess if a bear attacked you, you could throw it at the bear, but the bear will still kill you. So here's the deal. Um, there's a guy, his name is uh, Nate, uh, Nathan Finucchio, and he wrote a book called Hearing God. Great book, by the way. And um, in, in, in this book, he talks about his cousin, or his, I mean his niece, her name's Frankie. And she's three-year-old. How many of you have three-year-olds in the house right now? You poor people. I remember having three-year-olds in the house, and it's almost like you have terrorists living in your house at that age, right? They, they're in charge, even when they're not in charge. They're the boss, even when they're not the boss, and it's, it's, it's crazy. But the thing I, the, and they're so cute, though, and that's why God makes them that cute, because you would kill them if they weren't. Because they're always like, no, no, mine, mine. You know, so here's the thing with three-year-olds, though, is uh, when you're three years old, and, and most three-year-olds are this way. They like to watch the same shows over and over and over and over and over again. It kills you, right? My, my, I remember my oldest son watched The Wiggles. So I thought I was going to become a serial killer if I heard fruit salad, yummy, yummy again. Right? So, so that, that happens. And um, his, his niece, Frankie, she watched three shows over and over and over, right? She watched Paw Patrol, Minions, and uh, uh, come on, Toy Story, right? Th- those three were the things she watched over and over and over. And, and Paw Patrol, for those of you that don't have uh, three-year-olds anymore, that's the new one, okay? And, uh, and, and everyone's, all the kids are a rage about Paw Patrol. Um, here's what happens. So she watches the show, the language in that show, she's picking it up all the time. And it's her little brain is computing what she's watching and what they're saying. And she's picking up all of their vocabulary. And this is why, you know, when she gets on her tricycle and rides down the driveway because she's watched Toy Story so many times, she says, to infinity and beyond, right? She doesn't even know what infinity is. But she's seen Buzz Lightyear do that, right? And she's watched Paw Patrol so many times. I'll give you a great example. Um, If you asked her, Frankie, do you want to go to the beach? She'd be like, yes. She'd get really excited, even though she's never seen a beach before in her life. How does she have such great thoughts about what the beach is? For all she knows, it could be full of sharks and alligators and toxic sludge. But here's why. Because she's watched Paw Patrol over and over and over, and what she's taking in, she's processing, she's watching Marshall and Chase cruise around Adventure Bay on their jet skis, and it's a magical wonderland with rainbows and unicorns, and it's a great time. And she, everything she's taking in, she's using that to process what she sees as reality. Now, kids are funny like that, aren't they? but we're no different. See, everything that we consume through our eyes, through our ears, is helping us process what we think reality is. But I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Paw Patrol isn't real. Sorry, kids. But neither is the stuff we're taking in. As a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff we consume are lies. And we use those lies to process our version of reality. And the devil knows that. He works in it. 
And that's why it's really easy for us to believe things that aren't true about ourselves, about the world. And through our life, as we're watching other people interact, we're watching things through TV, through media, through our relationships, we're picking up all kinds of things for our journey that we don't need to take with us. And we're dragging heavy loads everywhere we go. So this is why in our culture, um, I, I, I don't know if you know this, but in our culture, we're the most affluent generation in human history. We have every need we would ever need. Now, some of you are like, no, I need a BMW. You don't need a BMW, actually. You'd like one. No, I need a jacuzzi. Nope, you don't need a jacuzzi either. Like, you haven't seen my back, Pastor. No, nope, I'm sorry, you don't. We have everything we could ever need. We're the most affluent generation in human history. And do you, you know what's interesting? In the last 10 years, uh, drug overdose deaths increased 500% in America as the most affluent people in, in, in human history. The other thing is, um, I don't know, this stat blew my mind. Did you know, okay, I'm, I'm just, just taking a sample state. Let's take West Virginia. In the state of West Virginia in the last six years, drug companies have sold 780 million painkiller pills in the state of West Virginia. 780 million painkillers. Now I want you to pause for a moment and think about that. The state of West Virginia has a total population of 2 million people. They sold 780 million painkillers in six years. That's 360 painkiller meds per human being in the whole state. But we have everything. But somehow, we have to, we're not comfortable. We're not, we can't, we have to anesthetize whatever it is. And part of the reason is we're carrying heavy loads. Um, the suicide rate in the last, since 2006 is up 21% in America. From the depression to 2010, I don't know if you know this. Um, and this, first of all, uh, I know we have some amazing uh, Christian counselors and MFT and psychiatrists in our congregation. And God bless you guys. We need more of you. You're healers. Thank you for what you do. But I want you to know something. It just kind of shows our society. I don't know if you know, but from the Great Depression till today, did you know the number of counselors, social workers, MFTs, psychiatrists has grown by 3,026%. And there's so much evidence to show that our culture carries, we, we, me, you, we carry heavy loads. And life is short. It goes by fast. You don't need to carry something so heavy. This morning, I want to I bring a friend up. Tony's going to come up. Her name's Tony O'Donnell. Give her a hand. And I, I've had her up Good here morning. before. But part of it is I, I love her story and I feel like, um, you know, in, in who you are and what God has done in your life, because you're just regular old Tony, like I, I snowboarding grandma, okay, That's right? right. <laughs> <laughs> so so t Tony, t talk, talk about what, what the load you've carried and, and what you're doing. Okay, so um, in my, my 20s and 30s, I had a lot of, of things happen and I and had a lot of brokenness that I was carrying, like big load. And um, my solution was, you know, that statistic, I turned to alcohol to get rid of that because I couldn't carry it. I had to do something with it. That was the solution I picked. Um, 
And I worked into a pretty serious alcohol habit, and it was very serious. It, I'm surprised to actually be standing here. And, um, but I got sober in 99, so it's 20 years, been 20 years. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, and so I, um, you know, got sober and started doing all, everything that I needed to do, which was, um, you know, connect with a higher power, uh-huh, Jesus Christ. And I did that, found my church, and I started working very, very hard at um, making up for not only all the time I wasted, but getting this thing right because I never wanted to go live back like that again. That was literally living hell on earth. So you were, you were unpacking. I was unpacking, yeah. So I and was re-packing. unpacking and re Did everything the church suggested, and I think I did a really, I was doing a good job. I was in a program or worked a 12-step program, did church, did Bible study, and I was slowly, slowly unpacking that thing the right way. And then... Uh, oh. <laughs> well, okay, so then, so, so you've, you, you're working really hard at, yeah. at repacking your bags. And la- last service, you talked about how you, you almost got like kind of well, legalistic about yeah. it. Yeah, so in 2007, 2007, so we're going to get to how I, you know, me going to India. Um, and that's when I first went to India is in 2007. Um, I, it was about eight years sober and what was happening to me was I was becoming, you talk about discipline, my discipline was off the charts. I mean, if I told you some of the rules I laid on myself, it's unbelievable. I didn't really do that to anybody else because they would hate me, <laughs> but I was hard on myself. And so I worked very, very hard, discipline. Um, I had a schedule that I liked to keep and um, you know, but what was happening to me is I was becoming a perfectionist. I had to do it right. I perfect. I had to do it perfect. Which is a heavy load. Oh my gosh! It was, it, yeah. Being, you have the appearance of a light pack, but it's full of rocks, right? Nobody can live up to being perfect, and I tried really hard to do that. And I also had mentioned that at the same time I was doing that, getting sober, doing all this, I had a son that um, I had, you know, raised. And, had, and I was an alcoholic, raising him, and now he was uh, becoming a statistic and a drug addict. And as I was getting better, my son was spiraling. So I had all that guilt. So guilt and perfectionism. Okay, forget it. <laughs> so you don't have the truckload of stuff, but now you've got a backpack that looks super light, but you're carrying all kinds oh of my gosh, dense, I, heavy I, things. You know what? I couldn't care. I could carry it, but I was missing out on the joy and the joy you're supposed to be feeling with all that freedom that God gives you. That's just good stuff right there. It's like Galatians 5.1, right? Christ died to give you freedom, so don't put that yoke of slavery back on. And I was doing it to myself. Okay. So then you end up deciding, well, I'm going to go on a short-term mission trip, like a 10-day mission trip, right? Yeah. Right? And it was what, probably a box you were checking maybe? Well, kind of a box, and, but, I, but I thought, you know what? I love to be in control. I love it. And so, with the, <laughs> it's my I, uh, I can tell you how to live your life, but I thought, you know what? I need to not do that. I, and what, the way to not do? Well, where are you going to go? Look, I'll go to India. I mean, how in control are you in a place like that? Zero. So I kind of that was kind of one of the th- reasons why I went. So you went to India for ten days. You're on mm-hmm. a missions trip mm-hmm. there, yeah. and so it changed you. How did it change you? It it was an eye opener. It, it, I saw a different lens. I saw poverty for what it really looked like. I saw what, you know, really, it gave me gratitude for living here. Um, I went, I saw, I didn't have any desire to really go back. I didn't think I needed to go back. But um, 
it changed my perspective, and I, I just realized how lucky I was, and I needed to just, I needed to take some steps back. So you had no desire to go back, but 12 years later, you're in India three months a, of, of the year every year. <laughs> yeah, now, God right? had A quarter plans. of your year is living in India. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm there about three months a year. 12 years now I've been going. Yeah, I made about 20 trips. I, well, I, God, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So here, here's the interesting thing about um, Tony, you guys may not know. So uh, the, the province that she takes us to, and she takes trips there all the time and taking groups. And you don't have to go for three months. She'll take you for 10 days or whatever. <laughs> but um, is a very anti-Christian province. Like they've passed anti-conversion laws, things like that. I went um, about a year and a half ago. We trained 250 church planners there. And they'll, they'll all suffer and possibly get arrested for their faith. And they're fearless, okay? They're, they're just BA. But anyways, yeah. so we, we end up... You're, you're, you're working in this, this province, right? right? This very anti-Christian. And um, they, they end up kicking out all the missionaries, all, all of that, and they kicked out Compassion International. Yes. You want to tell them about that a little yes, bit? Yes, in 2017, um, Compassion International is one of the biggest organizations in, in NGOs in India. Uh, $40 million taking care of, I mean, really making progress for these poor kids. And India didn't like it because they weren't getting any of the money. It was a Christian program. So they kicked it completely out. Clothes Hills had about 40 or 50 people sponsoring kids. Yeah. And in 2014, I actually led a team and we met some, we met our kids in this program. And it's a, Compassion International is a great program. And they're still all around the world. They're not in India. Overnight, they dumped all those kids. We never saw them again. We couldn't write letters to them. They cut us off. It broke my heart and it made me mad. So, so the kids now are not getting food. They're not getting education. As a matter of fact, the Indian government uh, also stopped any Christian orphanages from taking children in. They would rather see the children die on the streets as orphans yeah. than get converted to Christ Christianity. This is the, the evil that's going on there. It's a serious, it's so, serious. So Tony comes to me with a super punk rock idea. She said, Sean, um, all those kids are on the street. We had, we, compassion can't be there and it's illegal to, 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 to help them. So what if we just kind of go in and, and help them anyways and, and screw them? And I was like, yeah, that's stick it to the man, right? Stick it to the man. <laughs> so um, to Tony began uh, doing that yeah, basically yeah. and it kind of morphed into your own non-prof. Yeah, I kind of, I just kind of made it, it made it, important for me to start a nonprofit because we're going through the church. It was just hard on them. So I started a nonprofit called The Least of These, and we have our own little center. It's a house. It's really just a house we use, and I've got uh, 30 sponsors from Clovis Hills, 34 kids. I got 31. I got 31 last service. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I've got 31 sponsors. They give $40 a, a month, and we run our own program, and I get to see those kids personally. It's just God's just... Given, given it favor, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Kind of on the down low. Exactly. If we're drawing a little attention, get a little bit nervous. Exactly, and you, you, you see kids that at eight years old have seen things and they're carrying things you couldn't imagine. Absolutely. And you get to watch healing happen oh, yes. in that place. I've been to the Simon house where, oh. and, and seen some of these kids and it's just such a, a precious thing. So you're helping other people unpack well, you're still unpacking. Yeah, and they're helping me like, still unpack. I mean, really, they're healing me up too. It's... Yeah, they're, yeah, they're healing <laughs> yeah. you. So, so here, here, here's the thing. You're, 
your organization is called The Least of These, but mm -hmm. Friday night, here, you're going to okay. show a movie called The Least, least. least of These. So, and, yeah. Go ahead. At the beginning of the year, this year, this movie came out, The Least of These, caught my eye automatically. It's the name of my nonprofit. And it was about the, um, it's a 20-year anniversary of the martyred death of Graham Staines. He was an Australian missionary. Happens to be work, it happened to be killed in the same state that I'm, I'm working in. And when I was telling my partner in India, hey, this movie's coming out, he said, well, don't you know that my father-in-law worked with him in the 70s and 80s, and I interned with him in the early 90s. And he says, I can still remember the Jeep riding in his Jeep. So we have a personal relationship with this guy and his story and what, what had happened to him and his two sons was tragic. And um, so we are, we're, we're running this movie as a fundraiser because in November, Pastor uh, J John Annan, Derek Alvarez, Heidi Hogue, and myself, we're going to go do conferences training youth pastors and youth rallies in that area exactly where it happened to him. It's so punk rock. I love it. So anyways, it's, it's a stick it to the man thing. So, so Friday night in here is that movie. Yeah, and six, and six, I, I want to encourage you. Some of you are like, oh, I'd love to see that, but I'm not going to be here Friday. Do, you know what? Buy a ticket anyways. Some of you could afford to buy 500 tickets and all the money goes to those kids anyway. So you, she's, she's selling them in, in the... Yes, yeah. Selling in the Connect Center between services. The movie's at six o'clock. You can come at 5.30. I'm selling merchandise I brought back from Indian April's cool stuff. And um, yeah, so we're just going to do that. And um, one thing, because uh, I know we're, we're crunched it out here. Um, when I was you know, really, when all this was coming together and I was thinking to myself... January of 1999, when Graham Staines was, you know, horrifically killed preaching the gospel in this area, I, he was fighting, he, he lost his life. I was fighting to save mine because I was an alcoholic. So he was trying, he was losing his life preaching the gospel. I was losing mine with an addiction. 17 and a half years later, God's got this work he's doing. He uses a 60-year-old woman who's a recovering alcoholic, and he sends her right back in those same areas to just can You living in the middle of God's will, he will use anybody to do anything. I'm not kidding. If God can use a snowboarding grandma, he can use you, right? Snowboard Amen. Give it up for Tony. Yeah. So one of the things I really want us to understand is... Uh, what happens though is after you give your life to Jesus, you lose all this big luggage. But here's what happens. You start carrying something that looks way lighter. And then the crazy thing we Christians do is we start filling it with really heavy burdens that we don't have to have. Oh, I've got to act right. I've got to be right. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And we fill it with religion, which is just as heavy as that. And the, it makes the journey just as hard because we're carrying all these rules and regulations and ways to act. And I'm going to let you in on some good news right now. Some really good news for everyone, whether you're not a Christian or you're a Christian and this pack has been heavy for you lately. It's number two in your outline. It's this. Don't allow your faith to become a burden. Um, don't get caught in the rules. The rules don't change you. So many people, they think that change is like a decision they made. You know, and um, how many of you, at some point, because you, you, you know, you, you just had too much freedom, 
with food and you, you ate too much and you're on vacation and you put on some weight and you decide on the way home from vacation or the last day of vacation, that's it. When I get home, I'm changing. I'm on the program. I'm eating birdseed. I'm waking up at 4 a.m. I'm working out for two hours every day, seven days a week. I'm going to become a healthy person. It's all changed right here, right now. And then you drive past Krispy Kreme and that light goes on. You're like, tomorrow is the change. Right? <laughs> and then people, and then you don't change. See, because the problem is, is change is never a moment when you decided to. Change is always a direction you point yourself in. And when you point yourself in that direction, you will go off the trail. You will go off base sometimes. You will not go in the right direction. But if you continue to constantly be pointing your heart in that direction over the period of your life, over time, you will see dramatic change. How many of you, you're Christians, you're in this room right now, and you pointed your heart to Jesus at some point in your life, and you went off the trail? Anyone here go off the trail? Anyone here multiple times go off the trail? Yeah. Anyone here carry the light pack and put rocks in it and lead weight and stupid things in it? So Jesus said this. I love this in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I want to read that again. I want you to take a deep breath after I say it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Feels good. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your soul. Some of you today, your souls are exhausted trying to keep up, trying to be the right person. And Jesus said, Come to me, you'll find rest. And then he says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when Jesus said that, in the religious world at the time, the people he spent a lot of time with, he spent a lot of time with sinners, but he also spent a lot of time with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious elite of the day. And they had a, a phrase they would use all the time back then. And they would say, whose yoke are you under? See, there were two main rabbis of that day. One was Hillel, one was Shammai. And one was uh, kind of a more loosey-goosey on the rules, more liberal when it came to the rules. And one was much more rigid and much more legalistic. And, um, you know, the Pharisees fell under one and the Sadducees fell under the other. And the phrase, whose yoke are you under, was a question, where do you stand in this? And Jesus, he comes to, he comes to these people and he says this, he says, I'm not under this yoke or this yoke. I'm not under the yoke of Hillel. I'm not under the yoke of Shammai. I'm not under the loosey-goosey one or the, 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 the rigid, strict, disciplined one. Do you know what he says? He says, take my yoke. And some of you, you're like, because you've mental mapped and you're like yoke and you're picturing a yellow thing and an egg right now. And you're like, what is, he, what is Jesus talking about? Take his eggs? I wonder if Jesus likes scrambled eggs. I'd like a breakfast burrito right now. You're, all, you're not even in the sermon right now. Come back. A yoke is not just things I tell in a sermon. 
A yoke was something, that was funny, by the way. Laugh, please. Thank you. Humor me. They're laughing online. They're typing, ha, 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 ha. Not funny. But listen. So a yoke was something you put on a, an oxen. And you'd have a couple oxen and they would pull the plow with the yoke. So when Jesus says, take my yoke for my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm gonna let you know some good news. Jesus picked it up for you. He's carrying it all for you. The good news of the gospel is this. You don't even have to carry this heavy pack. His yoke has nothing in it. You don't have to have legalism. You don't have to have guilt, fear, shame. You can put all of that down because on the cross, Jesus carried it all for you. And I know, and, and, and the Bible says this, that but as many as receive him, to those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God. And what that means is when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, he takes the pack for you. And it's very easy to do. There's not a bunch of steps and a bunch of rules you gotta follow. It's literally saying, God, I've been going my way. I've been carrying my load. And then I, I don't wanna carry the religious load. Will you carry it for me? It's, it's inviting Jesus into your heart to forgive you of your sins and carry it all. So I know what some of you are thinking though. You're like, yeah, I'd like to do that, but there, I have some comfortable things in here. There's some things I don't wanna surrender you know, they, they bring me comfort. I like my arrow bed. You're thinking, if I become a Christian, I gotta eat this crappy freeze-dried food. And I like steak. I don't want your freeze-dried chicken teriyaki. It's garbage, right? This is the last sermon. I can do that. Don't worry. And you're thinking, there's some things I don't wanna surrender to God. And, and, and I, I understand that. I was there. And he'll let you carry them as long as you want. And they'll get heavier and heavier as the journey goes. But God loves you so much. He's crazy about you. He has a plan for your life. He has a destiny for your life. And until you drop your load, until you... Allow Jesus to carry it. You will be weary and weary and weary. So in a, in a little bit, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to invite Jesus to, to carry it. But um, it leads me to, to this, number three, your outline. Live in the urgency of the now. Here's what, here's what I, I love about this passage we read today. You get to the last verse of it, verse 31. It says, for this world in its present form is passing away. And, and, and here, here's what really, really I'm, I'm talking about and what, what Paul was talking about in, in this scripture. Everything that, that we're living for today is temporary. And it, it, it's going to pass. Do you remember things that were a really big deal to you when you were younger and now you look back on them as you're older and you're like, oh, that was, that was not that bad. That was silly. Remember the first time you got dumped by someone? Anyone here remember the first time they got dumped? Oh, you guys are all way too good looking and pretty to get dumped. Nine o'clock service, they all raised their hand. But listen, you know, I remember being 12, 13 years old and the girl said, yeah, I'm gonna break up with you. And I was like, oh, 
you know, and it felt huge. Now I look back and I'm like, oh, that was cute. And there are some things that right now in our lives feel incredibly important, that feel incredibly heavy, that feel incredibly, you know, we're in this moment, we're in a circumstance that's hard or a circumstance that's good, or we're, we're, we're trying to obtain something that we think is really good in our life. And here's what I want you to know. A thousand years from now, you will look back and those things will seem foolish. Those things will seem silly because they were temporary. That, oh, if I only had a husband, then I'd be happy. A thousand years from now, you're going to be like, oh, that was cute. Oh, if I only had this career. Oh, if I had this car. If I was in a better neighborhood. If my kids went to a great college. If my kids were better at sports. If I was more beautiful. If I was better at my job. Whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy. A thousand years from now, you will look back and say, that was stupid. Because life is short and you should pack light. You don't need to carry that stuff. Life goes by fast. How did I turn 47 years old? I'm still like 15 in my mind. I look up there and I'm like, How's, where, how did my dad get on screen at church? Like, who is that old guy up there with the gray hair? See, why are you putting off following Jesus? At the, here's, here's what I know. Every one of us in this room, every human on earth, one day will stand before God. And that will be a day of one or two things. Incredible rejoicing. And, oh, yes, I made it. Some of you more than others, right? <laughs> or deep, deep regret. That's why it says that, the, that hell is filled with, full of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, there's no in-between on that day. There's no like, eh, that's cool, whatever. It'll be one or the other. And why would you put off ever? Oh, I'll, do, I'll follow Jesus later. I'll, I'll receive Jesus later. I'll do it later. When today's the day, Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone listens, I will come in. That God stands at the door of your heart today on July 14th. He loves you. He's crazy about you. And he's ready for you to open your heart and invite him in and step into the destiny that he created for you. Why would you ever put that off? So I want to end with this verse. And it... I didn't plan this one in my sermon. We were backstage praying and uh, one of the, the singers read this verse to, the, to the, the team and I thought that fits perfect with what I'm talking about. It comes out of Romans 8, verse 12 through 14. It's in the message translation. It says this. So don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us. There's nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. Think about that. We don't owe that life a, anything. Let's put it to death. Let's bury it. Let's give it, I don't even think, I, I think decent burial is probably not even a good translation. I picture like a dog just doing this to it and move along. Why would you ever? Carry something you don't need to carry. And then he says, let's give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. The spirit beckons. God is saying, let me in. There are things to do and places to go. And if you want to carry your crap, you can. 
but you don't have to today. So we have a tradition here. When people decide, no, I'm in with Jesus. They decide they want to invite Christ in their life or, or maybe it's more of a homecoming. You did that as a child, but I was talking to a girl last night. She's like, yeah, I, I asked Jesus in my heart as a little girl, but I've kind of been going my own way and I, I've got a truckload of stuff I'm carrying. And she said, I want to lay it down. And one of the ways we give that life a decent burial is we tell the world, I'm laying it down make that choice to point your heart in Jesus's direction. And we have a tradition here, whenever someone invites Jesus in or they come home to him, we give them a bulb and a Bible. And the bulb represents Jesus, the light of the world. It's the promise that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that he lives in you. And you take that bulb and you can screw it into our Jesus's life, light and love sign over there. We've got a couple hundred more empty light sockets in love. And you screw that thing in and it lights up and it's a, it's a way for you to tell the world, I'm with Jesus and he's with me. And it's a way for you to mark that this was your day. July 14th, that Jesus knocked at the door and I finally let him in. I laid it down. I let him in. I let him carry it. And as a church, we'll sing. And I'm going to ask you to do something incredibly courageous. While we're singing, I'm going to be up here. I've got a bunch of them. If, if you prayed to receive Jesus today, that you work the courage up and you walk down in front of all these people and you say, I'm with Jesus. And here's what I'll tell you. This church, especially this service, these people are crazy. They will cheer you on like you won the Super Bowl because it really is the best decision you ever made. So I'm gonna pray right now. And if you, you wanna do that, you can. But let's just bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Hi, this is Pastor Sean Beattie from Clovis Hills Community Church. I wanna thank you for listening to the podcast. Hey, I encourage you to download the Clovis Hills app on your phone. With the app, you can do all kinds of things like prayer requests, live notes, giving. I also encourage you to check out our uh, Facebook Live page if, if you want to watch online. You can come to our services live. They're Saturday nights at 6 o'clock, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.